Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? Y'all all right? That wasn't too much, was it? Okay. Dr. Dr. Cynthia, am I okay? Okay. That's a doctor, by the way. We've been having a conversation uh, for a few weeks now called No Offense. How many of y'all have learned something so far? Wave at me if you've learned something. Okay. We've been having a conversation that we've been calling No Offense. Um, because offense is something that has been holding the people of God back. And God is trying to set the people of God free. And so all month we've been trying to get free from offense so that we can be exactly in totality who God created us to be. I did some research on um, why people get offended. And I found the top three things that offend people easily. Anybody want to take a guess? David, don't put it on screen. Anybody want to take a guess at what number one is? Talk to me. Money, that's a guess. Who else? Come on, what do you get easily offended about? People, okay. The number one thing that causes offense is politics. People are easily offended depending on what side of the aisle you're on, what side of a policy you stand for. It's a quick way to get into an argument and become offended and start talking about people behind their back. Y'all know it's true. What y'all think number two is? What's that? Somebody said sports. That's religion. Number two is religion. The second most divisive thing that causes people to be offended is religion. And it's not just external. Yeah, some people are like, you Christians, or you this, or you that. My religion is better than your religion. But it's also in-house. People be divided over denominational lines. Oh, you go to that church? Oh, I heard about them. It don't take all that. Why they in there running around and jumping? I didn't see that in the Bible. We start to get divided and offended. People start unfollowing people depending on what church they go to. It's a mess. What do you think number three is? What's the third most common thing that causes people to become offended in their heart? Racism. Pop, did you did you look at my notes? I got the last two rights. Number three is race. Super divisive topic. Depending on where you stand, you can lose yourself some friends. How you feel about racism, how you feel about social justice causes division and offense between people that they stop speaking, they stop dealing with each other. Does any of this sound Christ-like? I say, does any of this sound Christ-like? 
then why do we get so easily offended as Christ followers? This is why we've been having this conversation because it's not a small thing to God. You living in your offense is causing you to miss what God has for you because you're trying to stay inside of a little bubble where everybody thinks like you, looks like you, believes like you. And that's the complete opposite of the Great Commission, which says to go into all of the nations and make disciples. You can't go into all of the nations and make disciples if you stay inside your little comfortable bubble. And you know what else? Offense is stealing years from your life. You've been offended at family members, friends, church members for so long that you forgot what you was offended about in the first place. But years have gone by. Offense stole years from your life. And God don't like that. He wants you to be free from offense. So in this conversation, we're going to look at a very famous character from the Bible, a brother named David. We're going to come to a certain part in his life where he had to make some decisions, some very tough decisions, some very life-altering decisions. I'm going to be reading in 1 Samuel 19. But in 1 Samuel 16 is where we get introduced to David. In 1 Samuel 16, we read and learn about that God put on the prophet Samuel's heart that God was ready to anoint another king because Saul had upset him, had sinned against him, had didn't follow his orders, and he was done with Saul. So he told Samuel to go to Jesse's house because one of his sons is going to be the next king. And I'll tell you which one it is when you get there. And so he goes and he goes through all the sons. So he thinks, and he's like, bro, there ain't none of these in. You ain't got no more sons. And so he tells him, well, I got, I got one more. He's out there, you know, doing his thing with the sheep. I guess I'll go get him. And it turns out that that was the one who God anointed. Then in 1 Samuel 17 is one of his most famous stories. That's where we find the narrative of David and Goliath. David defeats the nine foot giant on behalf of the Israeli army to bring victory to their nation over their arch enemy. Then in verse 18, now David's, excuse me, chapter 18, now David's in the fold of the household of Saul. And he's one of his key leaders in battle. And David got skills. He goes out there and he be beating them Philistines down. But he becomes a little too famous. And it causes Saul to become jealous of David. Because they came in from the battle and they're like, yeah, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And Saul was like, I know you lying. This is my kingdom. And they singing about this boy? Saul ain't like that. 
So he started to become extremely jealous of David. So that brings us to 1 Samuel 19. We start the 8th verse. War broke out again. And David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. I told you David was bad with that sword. Verse 9. But one day when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again as David played his harp. Saul hurled his spear at David. Let me tell you something. Hmm. You're not going to throw no spear at me and me just going about my day. But David dodged out the way and leaving the spear stuck in the wall. That's how strong that spear was. He fled and escaped into the night. Verse 11, then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michal, David's wife, warned him, if you don't escape tonight, you will be dead by morning. So she helped him climb out through a window and he fled and he escaped. For all my note takers, today's message is called Escape rooms, escape rooms. Can you help me pray? Father in heaven, we honor you this morning. We ask for you to come into our hearts, come into this place. Help us to learn directly from you what you have to say about us. Get rid of every distraction, every deterrent that comes to prevent us from receiving what you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was struggling. Uh, with what to call this, because I had like 17 titles. <laughs> so I called it escape rooms, but then I gave, I gave this subtitle. I said, what do you do when staying becomes suicidal? <laughs> what do you do when your sacrifice becomes suicidal to you? What, what do you do when your service becomes equivalent with suicide? What do you do when your devotion could lead to your death? Sometimes, as we talk about this conversation of offense, sometimes, say sometimes, the best thing you can do is leave. The best thing you can do is escape the situation. The best thing you could do is to exit. I learned long ago from a more seasoned pastor that before you, before you write a sermon, he said, I always ask this question. God, what do you want your people to know? Yep. And so I ask that question before I write, God, what do you want your people to know? That way, every message is founded on a prophetic word. This is what he said. He wanted you to know, he wanted me to know offense 
is a self-inflicted prison. Offense is a self-inflicted prison. That means you put your own handcuffs in on. You sentenced yourself. Then you walked yourself into the prison cell. You closed the door. You locked it and you threw away the key. Self-inflicted prison. There is no freedom in living in your offense. You will forever be limited in your influence. You will forever be limited in your impact as long as you keep those handcuffs of offense on your heart. I know you really enjoy your offense. Because what they did was really wrong. And you have a right to be offended. But sometimes your right is the wrong thing for your destiny. So even though you may have a right, you're still wrong. Because you're still preventing yourself from walking in the fullness of who God created you to be because you're offended at somebody who ain't thinking about you. Here's the actual definition of offense. It's to cause a person or a group to feel hurt, angry, or upset by something said or done. Listen, we are human beings. We do not have the ability to not be offended. But what God wants you and I to know is that you can opt out of the offense. You don't have to remain there. You don't have to take up residence in your offense. Because when you reside there, you reside outside of the will of God. Now, sometimes we can deal with offense through a conversation. We can address it, not ignore it, sit down, air it out, find some middle ground, find some resolution and move on. But sometimes that ain't gonna work. Sometimes some situations and some people are so toxic that talking ain't gonna do a darn thing. So what do you do then? Do you hold on to your right to be offended because what they did was offensive? Or do you, do you opt out of the offense? For a lot of us, the choice that we continue to make over and over and over again is to stay offended. That's how I know you like it, because you keep doing it. Somehow thinking that your offense comforts the pain of the situation. When all it does is replay the pain of the situation over and over again. And the pain stays. And that pain becomes a wall that prevents you from making any type of progress. 
Can I apostolically warn you in advance? This message is not about your marriage. God told me to go ahead and say it. Because y'all not finna file for no divorce. Because you're trying to apply this to your marriage. This ain't that. First of all, this message is about you. So do yourself a favor and delete the people you just thought about that needed to hear this. No, sir. No, ma'am. God wanted you to hear this. And look in the mirror. So the hard truth, the hard reality is this. Sometimes the best thing you can do is escape. Saul threw a whole spear at David's head. Now, some of you read that story and you'd be like, I'd have been out of there too. Here's the problem. This is the third time Saul threw a spear at this boy's head. What happened on the first two? <laughs> like if somebody threw, listen, spears, and this time were five to eight feet long with spears made out of iron or copper. That's why that boy stuck in the wall when he threw it. Saul wasn't trying to scare him. He was trying to kill him. And somehow, even though he had two other spears thrown at him, he decided to stay. He decided to be devoted. Ain't that crazy? But we do it too. Sometimes we get so used to dysfunction that we think our dysfunction is normal, even though it's crazy. <laughs> I have some challenges in my lower extremities. See, in the military, we're taught to ignore pain. We're taught to fight through the pain. We're taught to soldier through it. So we were running, like we do every morning, and I got to the end of the run where we go from running to marching. And when this foot came down, it felt like fire shut up in my bones. And I'm like, do you think I went to the doctor? Say no. Because they make jokes about people that go to the doctor. They call you sick call rider. Sick call is what we call the doctor's office. I mean, we put it in our, we put it in the, in the little cadence. Sick call rider. Like they embedded in us. You bet not. And so because I didn't deal with it at first, I eventually limped enough to go get checked out. And they said, you got something called plantar fasciitis. It's like, that sounds fancy. What is that? And so they broke it down and they said, if you do this and you do that, uh, it'll be all right. Just do this little exercise, put the tennis ball, roll over, roll and do all that. And it'll be all right. So y'all, I started to do it because I was tired of limping. 
But you know what happened? As soon as I felt just a little bit better, I wasn't, I said I wasn't healed. I just felt a little less pain. You know what I did? Went back to my old ways. I didn't wait for the healing to complete. I just waited for the pain to be reduced. And then I went back to operating dysfunctionally because I felt a little less hurt. But do you know what happens when you operate in dysfunction? The rest of you overcompensates for the dysfunction in one area. So unbeknownst to me, the rest of my body is trying to overcompensate for the pain that I'm feeling in one foot. And because now the rest of my body isn't operating the way that it's meant to operate, I started breaking down in other areas of my body because I didn't get healed in the initial pain. Didn't deal with it. And such are some of you. Pain has been inflicted upon you. Been offended. You've been hurt. You've been let down. You've been done dirty. And you tried to cope. You didn't try to get healed. You tried to cope. You tried to alleviate the pain. And you went through some of your coping strategies. You posted about them on Facebook. Huh? You told how messed up they were. You called your homegirls, your homeboys. Said, I'm back. I'm done with them. You dealt with it. Your way, the best way you knew how. And after you kind of aired it out, you felt a little bit better. But you didn't get healed from the dysfunction and the pain. You just reduced how much pain you were feeling. And because you were able to successfully reduce the pain and feel a, a little bit better about the situation, you just attempted to go on with life as usual but you didn't know that other areas of your life were overcompensating from the pain that you didn't allow to heal. And so that's why you started gaining weight. Mm -hmm. That's why you started to have a shorter temper. Mm -hmm. That's why you became more promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Because the rest of you was trying to overcompensate with some undealt with offense. And you ended up not just dysfunctional in one area of your life, but you ended up dysfunctional in multiple areas of your life because you did not properly deal with the pain. And so God wants you to know that there are certain rooms that you're just going to have to escape from if you want to be free from offense and free to be who he created you to be. There are certain rooms that you cannot reside in any longer. You're gonna have to decide, I'm out. I am opting out of living in this place anymore because I want what God 
has for me. The first room you need to escape from is a terror room. Some of you all, your offense has led you to be super scary about everything. Now, the offense may have been real. You may have been hurt by somebody, and now it has caused you to be afraid in another area because offense can lead us to become a prisoner of our own fears. Remember, God said that offense is a self-inflicted prison. And what happens is because we become a victim to our own fears, what do we become? Super defensive. Now someone says something to you just in a normal conversation, no accusation, not talking down, not talking even really about you, but because of your offense in this other area, you are now a super defensive person and you think anything about you. Some of you think this message is about you. Some of you think that I really care enough about you to write a whole sermon about you. No, let's just, let me just put that out there. But because you are unhealed and you live in offense, you're a super defensive person who thinks that it's all about you. And we become super defensive in this situation. And then we feel this need to protect ourselves from further offense by avoiding situations or people that we perceive, we perceive, it may not even be reality, but we perceive as offensive. If we allow ourselves to be controlled by these emotions and fears, we may become trapped in a cycle of avoidance and isolation. You used to be all about people until offense set in and you checked in to that self-inflicted prison. It totally changed the person you once were. And now you find comfort in being alone. Except God created you for community. And so if you find yourself sitting in a room of terror, the best thing you can do is to exit stage left because being overly sensitive to offense limits your personal growth. You cannot grow and develop into the disciple or the disciple maker that God has crafted you to be because you go inward. Your dependence on God lessens because you're so busy trying to put up parameters to prevent offense from coming into your life. Yeah. You're walking around in terror yeah, yeah. of being offended and hurt and angered again. But here's what David said in Psalm 91 and four, as a reminder, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. He's telling you, stop trusting in your ability and start trusting in an undefeated God who has the ability to protect you. I know you were hurt here, but that doesn't mean you're going to be hurt and offended everywhere. You can trust 
him, verse 5 says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day if you put your dependence back in him. You have to escape out of that room of terror and stop letting fear prevent you from the progress and the path that God has carved out for your life. Can I help you? You are behind schedule because you are offended. You're not even where you're supposed to be in your life because offended has you shackled and moving slow. Offense has you moving in the wrong direction. Offense has you now carving out your own path instead of walking the path that God created for you. The next room that you're going to have to escape is trauma rooms. Trauma is real. And sometimes we have been offended to the place of trauma and the pain and the agony and the feelings and emotions that we are wrestling with are real. But God wants you to know that even though they're real, they don't have to remain your reality. Because God is a healer. Did you forget? He didn't just open blinded eyes. He didn't just open deaf ears, but he totally changed people's lives from the inside out. He dries up tear. He replaces our sorrow with gladness. These are emotional healings. God is not boxed into just healing you physically. He can heal your emotions too. I know that we love our little offense. And I know that our dysfunction has become our new normal. But you also need to know that that new dysfunctional normal that you're walking in is a prison. It's not providing you freedom. It's not providing you solace. It's providing you with a spiritual and an emotional death. You're dying spiritually. You may look good on the outside. You may still preach, prophesy, lay on hands, be an encourager, but on the inside, you are straight decaying. There's no way to live. You haven't talked to family in years. You done wrote friends off for years because of offense. Look at how much offense has stolen from you. Offense is a thief that's robbing you from a life full of the presence of God. God ain't trying to live in your offense. He's, it's ugly, to, it's nasty to him. You know why? Because he forgave you. Huh? Did you forget about you? Did you forget about all the times you offended him? with your reckless decisions, and yet he forgave you. But you got a right to your offense. You don't think he got a right to his? 
When someone experiences offense, it can result in pain. It can involve a breach of trust or boundaries, which can be a common aspect to traumatic experiences. God's not saying that what you're feeling, you don't deserve to feel. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood over the agony that he knew he was about to endure. He gets feelings. <laughs> but did you see what happened when he felt his feelings? He went to his father in prayer and he got a feeling differently. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Are you able to pray that prayer in the middle of your offense? What they did was messed up. Nevertheless, not my will, because my will is to get them back. My will is to write them off. My will is for them to feel what I feel. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You got to understand that that offense that you're holding on to, that you're massaging into your life so that it feels better and more a part of who you are, is causing you to live a life void of peace. Because the trauma is still there. The trauma is still there because the offense is still there. You keep hitting the rewind button so you can see it again, feel it again, hear it again, rehearse it again, tell somebody about it again. Bro, we got it. That was messed up. That was wrong. And if you can't rectify the situation, you can't rectify the wrong, you need to escape for your sake. Not for their sake. For your sake, your freedom is on the line. Your peace is on the line. Your prosperity is on the line. And God is saying, you can, you can, you can opt out. You don't have to live there. Proverbs 1 and 33 says it like this. But all who listen to me, stop listening to themselves. Stop listening to their friends. All who listen to me will live in peace. Untroubled by fear of harm. You can opt out and opt in to him. And there you will find peace. Your peace is too expensive for you to stay offended. There's nothing better than the peace of God over your life. So you're going to have to proactively reach in your back pocket and hand him your offense so that he can hand you his peace. Number three, you need to leave rooms of tyranny. Sometimes we get used to abuse. People have been talking to us crazy our whole life that we think it's normal. Crazy parents, crazy bosses, crazy boyfriends and girlfriends. 
That's all we've seen. It's all we've known. Still dysfunctional. Nobody should be able to be a tyrant over your life and you stick and stay and keep your devotion. Why? Because it's driving you insane. You're going crazy. David was going crazy. He keeps getting spears thrown at him by his mentor. He didn't ask to be a part of this life. They came and got him. He was out there with the sheep living his best life. Wasn't thinking about Saul's house. The reason he came in there is because of his musical skills. After God rejected Saul, God allowed a tormenting spirit to come upon Saul. Saul started going crazy. And the people around him said, listen, why don't you just get a talented musician in here? And when he play, you'll feel better. He was like, cool, go find whoever it is, because I'm tired of being crazy. And so David's reputation preceded him. That's a whole nother sermon. But they was like, I know a boy, a son of Jesse, who got mad skills on the lyre. And if you go get him to play his lyre, he going to help you feel. But he said, go get that boy. And he became a part of Saul's house. Every time, listen, listen, they brought him in to play music. Did you catch that? Every time Saul threw a spirit in, what do you think David was doing? He was playing music. He was doing the thing he was brought in to do. He wasn't trying to be nobody but who they asked him to be. He was using his gifts for the king. He had nothing to do with what happened inside the heart of the king. All he was doing was sitting there playing. I don't know what a library looked like. I'm just assuming it looked like, like it played like this. I don't know. Next thing he know, spear coming out his head. <laughs> and it took the third spear to get his attention. Because after the first and second one, he goes and talks to Jonathan, his homie, like, bro, why is your daddy tripping? He literally asked him, why is your dad offended at me? All I'm doing is playing a little guitar like they asked me to do. And Jonathan tried to put him at ease like, bro, it ain't even like that. Bro. I'm going to go talk to him. Don't even worry about it. Listen, you stay out here in the field. I'm going to go talk to him. And if he tripping, I'll tell you. If he cool, I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. And so they do that. Jonathan goes, talks to his dad. Like, John, uh, uh, dad, why are you tripping? You know, David got your back. He be doing the work. He be playing the guitar. He be out there fighting. He really loves you. He's devoted to you. Saul says, don't trip, son. You right. He been good. I'm going to calm down. Tell him it's all good. So that's why David comes back in the house, picks up his little guitar, starts to strum it again. And out of nowhere, the tormenting spirit comes upon Saul. Guess what's in Saul's hand? Another spear. Wait. David said, you know what? I think I'm tired of this dysfunction. I'm tired of this tyranny. I need to go. Sometimes you need to go. Sometimes you need to stop trying to fix an unfixable person. 
I ain't talking about your spouse. Sometimes you need to stop trying to fix an unfixable situation. I'm not talking about your marriage. I'm not going to let the devil lie to you today. I'm talking about something, and that's between you and God. But sometimes the best option is to leave. Psalms 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Are you waiting patiently for the Lord? Or are you crafting a plan that you created? Have you even brought the situation to the Lord? Have you even told him that you need his help? It says, I, he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. If you're hearing with spiritual ears, in each of these situations, there's movement. David says, he moved me up out of, he lifted me up out of, there's movement. Because sometimes staying can be suicidal. Sometimes you just got, you gotta go. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet. There's that placement again. Are you listening? He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Some of you don't know where to go, which way to turn, because you haven't waited patiently on the Lord to guide you. He said he lifted him and placed him. He lifted him and placed him. He lifted him and placed him. Some of y'all are lifting yourselves and placing yourselves in the wrong spot. He said, I waited patiently on the Lord. He heard me. He lifted me and he placed me. Not only that, he put a new song in my mouth. Here come that peace. You've been nothing but frustrated. Think about it. You think about how long you've been frustrated with this dude. Frustrate, frustrated with this girl. And they ain't thinking about you. They're literally living their life. While you're talking about what they did in 19. It, should, it shouldn't even start with 19. You realize how, how long ago that is? Even if it was 19 days ago, move on for your sake, for your good. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord. You see where this is going? I prayed about the situation. He heard my prayer. He lifted me up. He placed me on a rock. He gave me a piece, a new song to sing. And the end result was that people looked at my life and saw him. What do people see when they look at your life right now? Do they see a good guy? Or do they just see a frustrated human? I said, do they see a good God or a frustrated, down and out, despondent human when they see you? What do they see when they see you? Maybe you need to try to stop being offended. 
maybe people will see the goodness of God if you remove that offense out of your heart that you have a right to. Sometimes your right can be wrong for your destiny. Last room that you need to exit is a room of triggers. We all got them. This comes to being self-aware, knowing you. I know me. I don't get offended easily, but there are some things that trigger me. And the Holy Spirit got to come quick. Got to come quick. <laughs> One thing, I, I don't know if I'm going to tell y'all. Wait a minute, hold on. Y'all might use it against me. I actually used my own message against me last week, Craig. She's like, Pastor, you said don't raise your voice. Because I was getting on her about something. You said don't, point number two said don't raise your voice. I was like, that's cold, Ashley, that's cold. <laughs> Preaching is a dangerous profession. People be using your own words against you. But one, 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 one trigger for me is I don't like when people prejudge me and what I can do and, 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 and it could cause me to, to get out of pocket a little bit. I'll give y'all that one. Perfect example. The other day, my wife and I, we were shopping at the Gucci store. Now that offended some of y'all right there. It's okay. See them preachers always be stealing money. First of all, never mind, never mind. If you think that, amen. Please be set free. Ain't nobody stealing no money. We got money before the church, outside the church. And we made a whole lot of sacrifices to get in the position that we're in. Sacrifices that most of y'all ain't willing to make. Now back to the story. We were at the Gucci store. We're at the Gucci store to get a late birthday gift for my wife. She saw something, so we went to go get it. So we in the Gucci store. You offended, ain't you? We was in the Gucci store. Now, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I went where I go? I went to Oklahoma. So I was in the airport, and I see somebody with a really cool Gucci book bag, right? So I'm sitting there. I didn't, I didn't go there, like, thinking about getting something for me, we was just there to get what she wanted. And I was like, hey, do they got book bags in here? And so um, my wife said, yeah, they over around the corner over there. So I was like, cool, let me go check out, see if they had that bag that, um, that they're talking about. And so I go over there, now picture this, I'm a, I, I see in pictures, right? So I walk over to where the book bags were. There's a desk right here with two employees. There's a desk right here with one employee. Two female employees right here, one male employee right here. All of them on their phone. They just 
So I walk over and I'm looking. The bags are right behind the dude. The girls are right here. So I'm just. Let me be clear. They was on their phones, but I'm not a little dude. So you definitely saw me. I'm definitely standing there. And they didn't say a word. Oh, for three. So I look left. I look right. Mm-hmm. See, y'all just ain't gonna say nothing. So I felt the fire coming. Oh, listen, I can put some words together and make you feel real bad about yourself. It's a gift, but wasn't going to be the right thing to do. So I just left. Went back over to where my wife was. She like, she finished what she was doing. She got her thing. She's like, what? You, you didn't see nothing? I was like, I'm good. I'm cool. It's like, wait, no, because, you know, my wife don't leave stuff alone. It's like, no, did you? No, the book bags were over there. I'm like, no, I'm cool. She's like, what? I was like, you know what? You know, I told her what happened. I said, you know, I went over there. Ain't nobody say nothing, so they're not getting my money. So I leave. I walk out the store because we're close to the exit. Now, let me tell you something. My wife is Jesus's play cousin. I'm serious. She really loves Jesus. She's really, I mean, she's like that close to being the fourth person of the Trinity. She really loves Jesus. But my wife has triggers too, because we all do. And one of her triggers is me. If she think you done did me wrong, you're going to find out she's not the fourth person of the Trinity. So I'm gone. I'm done. Like, I'm literally done. I'm not mad. I'm li- listen, I'm out. Like, whatever. It's cool. I'm, you know, it's plenty of other store. I'm good. I'm over the situation. I'm literally outside. So she starts walking, but she's like, oh, no. With the hand, oh no. <laughs> I'm like, nah, man, it's cool. It ain't that serious, because it wasn't for me. But she was triggered now. <laughs> Y'all know what she said? Oh my God. <laughs> so she, she goes over and she says, just so you know, with the thing, like, the, just so you know. He can buy everything up in this store. <laughs> Which was true, but that wasn't the point. So sometimes you need to be aware of your triggers. <laughs> so that you can know when it's best for you to leave a situation alone. Because for me, as I'm, and this is an area that I have grown in a lot. And so for me, 
especially now, <laughs> I have to be careful because I may see them again. Like this. And I can't be like, oh, wait a minute, that's the dude that was cussing me out. He told me he made me feel real bad about myself. And so sometimes the best thing you can do so that God can get the glory out of your life is to exit a situation. Take yourself out of the equation. Come on, Brandon, you can help me. The best thing to do sometimes is to escape certain rooms. Because escaping, there are four things, four things for my note takers that escaping rooms makes room for. When you decide that you're gonna escape offense, it makes room for empathy. You become more empathetic to your fellow human beings when you realize how flawed a human being you are. You leave room for the Father's heart to be cultivated in you. There's a lot going on on the internet this past week about certain preachers saying things in the pulpit. Even though I may not necessarily have agreed with what they said, my heart broke for them and what they were going through and the backlash and the reality of all the questions that they have to answer about not just them, but who they are, not just what they said, but about who they are. When you move, like I used to be the dude that was offended by people's missteps. How could they? What were they thinking? Blah, 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 blah. And then I remembered how messed up I was. So now I don't get off on gossip. Do you? When you move offense out the way, your heart becomes like the father's. And you pray for people. You hurt for people. You feel what people are going through. And that's what you should want cultivated inside of you. You should want to reflect the king in every situation. The second thing that if you escape offense, it makes room for is empowerment. You can't even really function in your giftings with offense in your life. Because it clouds your prophecy. You start prophesying out of your flesh. You start praying out of your flesh. You start preaching out of your flesh. You start witnessing out of your flesh. And it lacks power. The words may sound real good, real clever, real funny. But if you don't have any power behind it, it's meaningless, pointless, worthless. You need the power of God to back up anything you're doing, ministry or otherwise. I don't want to move without his power. And when you move offense out the way, you make room to be empowered by the spirit of God. You get stronger, wiser, sharper in your giftings. So even if you're operating in your gifts, guess what? Maybe you're not operating in the fullness of it. And maybe offense from your last church, from your last pastor, from your last situation, your last marriage, your last relationship is preventing you from being empowered. Number three, when you, when you escape offense, you make room for elevation, promotion. 
your name starts to come up in rooms that you're not even in. People start to hear about you like they heard about David. I know a guy. I know a girl. And all of a sudden, you start to go up and you get promoted and you get talked about and you get opportunities and doors start opening because you're not in a prison of offense. That thing don't have you bound no more. That thing ain't holding you back no more. That thing ain't preventing your development no more because you decided I am opting out. It ain't worth it. Last one. And I'm out your hair. When you remove offense out of your life, escape offense, you make room for elation. Man, when was the last time you was just happy? When was the last time you just smiled? Like compare the amount of time you've been spending smiling lately versus mean mugging. And it maybe it's not even a mean mug, but, but how long has your face been devoid of smiles? Happiness. Aren't you tired of that misery every day? Every day feels like it's overcast. Every day feels like it's stormy. Every day feels like it's sad and lonely. Aren't you tired of the misery that offense has been giving you? You can't even go to family functions because they might be there. All the co-workers going out, nah. Life groups, nah, because last time, in my last church, My last relationship, nah, I'm cool, but you're not, because you ain't even smiled in a week. Your kids ain't even seeing you smile lately. You think they don't notice? You think they don't pick it up? Maybe ain't nobody really trying to holler at you because you ain't never, you ain't never really smiling. And people don't really want that on them. <laughs> like you definitely don't look like Jesus. You definitely don't look like the goodness of God. Like my life is messed up, but at least I'm smiling. I may be drowning in sin, but you don't even smile, bro. Like, why would I want that Jesus? Your Jesus don't look like you even happy. Like, why would I want to know more about him? Because his goodness ain't looking very good on you. And for a lot of people, it's because they've, they've been living in a prison of offense. Some teacher said something. Some coach said something. Some parent said something that offended you to the point misery. 
And because you stayed there, it shows up as dysfunction, not just in that place, but in all these other areas of your life too. Your coworkers are wondering what's wrong with you. Your church members are wondering what's wrong with you. Your neighbors are wondering what's wrong with you because it's showing up everywhere. Because you haven't dealt with that initial pain. You reduced how bad it hurt, but you didn't allow the healing to manifest. And maybe the best way you can find that healing is to escape. Escape rooms sometimes are your best option. It's something that you're going to have to take to the Lord and ask him. In this situation, do I need to confront or do I need to escape? Either way, you can't stay in it. You can't stay offended. You're gonna have to make a move for your sake. Can we all stand as we get ready to dismiss? What God wanted for you today is to know that you can opt out. Sometimes the enemy's lies are so crafty, so creative, and so cunning that they sound like fact. I know that factually speaking, offense is a part of life. But living in offense does not have to be your reality. You can say, I ain't going there. It ain't worth my peace. It ain't worth my destiny. It ain't worth my future to be stuck in this place of offense. I hope I didn't offend y'all too bad today. I hope that the spirit of God said something that sparked you to want to come in closer to him. So let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Then we're going to worship our way out. Lord in heaven, we honor you. We are so grateful that you came to this place and spoke to our situation. We ask that as we endeavor to become unoffendable, that you help us do this work because we want you to get the glory out of our lives. Father, help us in this endeavor to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.